All right, show of hands. Not a trick question. Show of hands. How many of you would say prayer is important? Okay, yeah, me too. Of course it is. I believe in the power of prayer. You can't be a strong Christian if you don't pray. In the Bible, there are, in fact, 500 verses dealing with prayer. But would you be surprised if I told you that there are over 2,000 Bible verses that talk about money? Would that surprise you? Surprise me. Listen, money matters. And I rarely teach on money, but I, I, and it's probably because I think some parents talk about money a little bit too much. But if the Bible has so much to say about it, I think God wants us to know his perspective on money. Would you agree? Especially in a time when food and energy prices are through the roof, inflation is rising, and the stock market is backsliding. Okay, we need to know what God says about money. Come on, tell somebody you need to know. Okay? And I can hear it now. All the church wants is my money. No, all Walmart wants is your money. <laughs> we want you to know God, but we also want you to be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. So it's my prayer for you that over the next five weeks with our Sunday morning teaching and our Wednesday night small groups right here at Building B at 7 o'clock, that you'll come out of this thing better and stronger financially than you were before. How many of you want to have more money at the end of the month? The problem is too many people have more months at the end of their money. Okay? And that's not the way that it ought to be. Okay? And, and when it comes to money, especially, money is all about doing things in the right order. I'll never forget, I was sitting in a hospital waiting room, and I noticed that a young man went up to the vending machine, and he put a dollar in, and he pushed a button, and nothing happened. He kept pushing buttons, and the dollar would come back out. He put it back in, he pushed the button, and nothing happened. And finally, he noticed there was a big sign that said, out of order. You can't expect to see good results in your life if your money problem is out of order, all right? It's all about doing things in the right order. Your priorities, then your needs, and then your wants. <laughs> so this week, we're going to talk about first things first. Here's the foundation before everything else. God comes first. Well, I need you to help me preach today. Come on, say this out loud. God comes first. Oh, come on, make somebody nervous in the service. Tell them God comes first. There you go. All right, amen. If you're joining us on Facebook Live or YouTube Live, go ahead and put it in the comments. God comes first. And we know this, and this goes way beyond money. In any area of life, if you want the blessing of God, God has to come first. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, you've got to do it in the right order. You put God first, and then the rest will fall in place. Now, I'm going to start out in the Old Testament this morning, and then we're going to end up in the New Testament. But there's an important principle that you need to understand, and it's found in Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. So God is saying, from the kids to the cattle, the firstborn belongs to me. Are with me so far? All right, look down at verse 12 and 13. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, 
All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Whoa! Come on, man, you want me to kill this thing? <laughs> that Bible verse escalated quickly. Remember, this is Old Testament 3,468 years ago, but there's a lesson for us today because First Corinthians said that the Old Testament is there for an example to us now, right? This is what God is saying to his people. If it's not redeemed, it'll be destroyed. If it's not redeemed, it will be destroyed. In other words, God says, if you don't give it to me, you're going to lose it anyway. Then he says, redeem every firstborn among your sons. Some of you may be wondering, why on earth I would use these verses this morning, but there's an important principle at work. And it's called the principle of the first. And there are three things you need to know about it this morning. So if you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, write this down. Number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, how do we know the difference between the two? Okay? The Old Testament teaches us, again, this, this is Old Testament, but everything in the Old Covenant is an example for us, and all of it really points to Jesus. Even the Old Testament was written for our instruction. It was the instruction or the example for us in Exodus 13, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And here's how you know which one to do. If you had an animal and your animal was considered a clean animal, according to Old Testament guidelines, then you sacrifice the firstborn to the Lord. If you had an animal that was considered an unclean animal, then you had to sacrifice a clean animal to redeem the unclean animal, right? We just read that in the example in Exodus 13, a lamb for a donkey. Again, everything in the Bible points to Jesus, okay? Think about it. If it's unclean, it has to be redeemed by the sacrifice of the clean. Let me ask you something. Were we born clean or unclean? Right? We understand that. Romans 3, 23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that we were born into sin. So we are born unclean. And I'll prove it to you using our experts today. All the parents in the house, okay? Did your kids have to learn how to be bad? Or did it come naturally to them? Come on, I, I know, I know it. I, I thought I had a little angel, but it was a viper in the diaper. We don't have to teach our kids how to do wrong things. It comes naturally. We have to teach them how to do good things because they, like us, are born with a sinful nature. Okay? We're born unclean. Now, let me ask you this. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Jesus was born clean, and that's a big deal. He was the first and only one to be born clean. Jesus is unique because the Bible says he never sinned. Hebrews 4.15, For we did not have a high priest who was unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way, but he didn't Sin. By the way, even the Quran says that Jesus is born clean. Did you know that? In Surah Maryam, in verse 19, uh, the Quran calls Jesus Mary's sinless son. <laughs> That's a problem for Muslim scholars, by the way. 
Proverbs is not a book of commandments, it is a book of wisdom. So Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, it's not a commandment, it's a word of wisdom from God. If you want to be wise, this is what you do. You honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Let me tell you something, okay? God is always first. That's who He is. Right? There's a saying, if if you ain't first, you're last. (laughs) Not with Jesus, He's the first and the last. Okay? He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is above all, before all, higher than all, and first of all. And part of honoring Him is putting Him first in your own life. Colossians 1.18, He is also the head of the body of the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. So somebody say again, God comes first. We see this over and over and over again in the Word of God. When the Israelites went in to conquer the promised land, there's a reason God told them, I want you to bring all the gold and all the silver from Jericho to the house of the Lord. Why did God say that? Because Jericho was the first city they conquered in the promised land. It was the first city. God was saying to them, you give me the first one and I'll bless the rest. Now this takes faith. Think about the Israelites were raging war against the coalition of nations. There has been more money spent on war than anything else in human history. War is expensive, and they had a, a, a lot of costs associated with conquering an entire promised land that God had given them. They had some financial needs, and God said, uh-uh, you're going to be a lot of silver and a lot of gold in Jericho, but you're not going to use that to buy swords and spears. You're going to give that to me as an offering, and then I'll bless everything else. See, our thinking is, okay, we got a need, let's get the money first, and then at some point we'll just say, thank you, Lord. But God's thinking is the opposite of our thinking. God didn't say conquer ten cities and give me one of them. He said, give me the first one and I'll bless all the rest. They had to get it in the right order. See what I'm saying? And if that order, you won't get anything out of it. There's another Bible passage that deals with this, and it, and it confuses a lot of people. Listen, it's the story of Cain and Abel. Anybody familiar with that story? Okay. You think your family's got issues? The first family that ever lived had issues, okay? Adam and Eve had two sons named Cain and Abel, and one of them got jealous of the other and murdered his own brother. I'm going to tell somebody, that's messed up. It is, it's messed up. They had some family issues going on, and before you start to feel good about yourself, guess what? That's your great-granddaddy on your mama and your daddy's side. (laughs) We're all part of the Adam's family, okay? We're descended from these people. Cain murdered his brother Abel, and that's the tragic part of the story, but here's the confusing part of the story. Okay? One day Cain and Abel both brought offerings to God, and God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering. Genesis 4, verse 4, Adam Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord, and all the single ladies are shouting this morning. That, that ought to be your memory verse you put on your door. I require a man from the Lord. Verse 2, then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, see that? In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought 
the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Why did God reject Cain's offering? The answer is right in front of us. Abel brought God his first, Cain did not. Abel was a shepherd and he brought the firstborn to the Lord. Cain was a farmer, but Cain didn't bring the first fruits. The Bible says that in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. Now, the term first fruits is woven all throughout the Bible. If he brought his first, it would have said so. Abel brought the first of what he had, Cain brought some of what he had. Do you see the difference? Go with me so far. Okay, don't get me wrong. You can give an offering to the God anytime you want. Keep those cards and letters coming in. You can give an offering whenever God leads you to. That's something my wife and I do, okay? But here's the deal. If you're not also putting God first, you're missing out on the blessing. Abel put God first. Cain gave God something. Abel made God his first priority. Cain came to God on his own terms. God comes first. Come on, tell somebody again. God comes first. All right, we're almost done. Number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Number two, the first fruits must be offered to God. And here's the part everybody's excited about. Number three, the tithes go to God first. The tithes go to God first. Leviticus 27:30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So the first fruit is God's, the, the firstborn is God's, and the Bible says that the tithe is God's. Now there are people out there who say, well, tithing was a part of the law. I'm not under the law, so I don't tithe. First of all, bless your heart. Tithing was around a long time before we ever had the law of Moses. Tithing is more than an Old Testament law. It is a biblical principle that still works today. Jacob tithed 400 years before the law. Abraham tithed almost 500 years before the law. But it really goes back to the beginning. The first has always belonged to God. Before Cain and Abel, before they were ever born, God put Adam and Eve in the garden. And he said, you can eat from every tree in the garden except one. That one's mine. You understand what God was doing? He was teaching stewardship to Adam and Eve. The idea that a portion belongs to God and the rest is for them to enjoy. Let's look at what the New Testament and see what Jesus says about tithing. Matthew 23, 23. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Okay, Jesus literally said you should tithe. That would be 23, 23. And can I say something? Jesus said it's a small thing to tithe. That's like little basic stuff. The big stuff is mercy, faith, and justice. Hello. But it amazes me how many, how many people say, well, tithing was a part of the law, so it must be bad. <laughs> Let me, let me ask you this. Was honor your father and mother part of the law? Is that bad? No. Thou shalt not kill. Does that mean it's okay to kill people because it was in the law? Of course not. Just because something was in the law doesn't mean those aren't godly principles that apply to us today. 
It's still wrong to steal, right? It's still wrong to commit adultery, right? As far as I can tell from the, my reading of the scriptures, the tithe of the first fruit still belongs to God because God said it's mine. You say, I'm not under law, but I'm under grace. That's awesome. That means you can give way more than 10% of your income to the kingdom. Why? Because the grace of God is far greater than the law. The grace goes far above the limitations of the law of the Old Testament. Hello. <laughs> Listen, for those of you who, who, who try to get out of giving because you say it's an Old Testament law, if you understood New Testament giving, you would gladly take up the Old Testament system. Because if you read the book of Acts, the Bible says the people sold all of their possessions, all of their land, and they bought it to the church, and everybody had all things in common. Well, if we did that, we'd make it on the news, wouldn't we? But my point is this. The grace of God is far more radical than the Old Testament system. The grace of God through Jesus goes far above and beyond anything we see in the Old Testament. Amen? All right. I'm going to leave that alone. Let the Holy Spirit work on you. To me, tithing is more about putting God first than the actual amount of money that you give. Don't get me wrong, a tithe means a tenth. I'm not saying that it doesn't. And by the way, God has established 10% to be fair to everybody, right? Government gets a whole lot more than that. So whether you make a lot or a little, God only asks 10% so that everyone's giving an equal share. That's fair for everybody. But what I really want you to understand is tithing is about putting God first. The tithe goes to God first. Back to Exodus 13, God didn't say, once your sheep has 10 lambs, give me one of them. Right? Once your sheep's had ten lambs, give me the ugly one. No, he said, give me the first and the best, and I'll bless the rest of them. Okay? So, if you make a thousand dollar profit, how much is the tithe? Anybody? Hundred dollars. Okay, but which of the hundred dollar bills is the actual tithe? Oh, somebody's been listening. You're with me this morning. All right. <laughs> It's the first one to leave your hand. Tithing is about putting God first. It's more about the order than the amount. And if you go home and you pay the mortgage and you pay the power bill and you pay the phone bill and you buy groceries and you pay Netflix and then when you've done everything else and then you give God 10%, that's not tithing. You're putting God last, not first. So I hope that this is sinking in your heart this morning, that tithing is putting God first, okay? You don't give the first per portion to the mortgage company because the mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless you. They have the power to repossess you, but they don't have the power to bless you. you. Don't give the first portion to the electric company. Why? Because the electric company can't bless your finances. Listen, you need to pay your bills. But tithing is about putting God first. That's when we honor Him. Now, I'm not being legalistic about this. So listen to me. I've only got just a few minutes left, and I want you to hear every word that I say. I'm not, I'm not trying to rewrite a list of laws for you to live under. If you get paid and your cell phone bill is the first thing to auto-draft out of your account before you pay your tithes, that doesn't mean that you didn't put God first. Okay? If I go write a check for our tithes, and for those of you under the age of 30, a check is a little piece of paper that you can write on, and it kind of takes the place of money. You buy stuff with it? <laughs> Ask your grandma about it. She'll tell you. Okay. But if I write a check for our tithes, and then I look at our account, and I see that Amber had wrote a $45 check at the grocery store, okay, I'm not going to say, oh, great, we're first. Okay? That's not the point of what I'm saying. Here's the point of all of it. 
As people who are living under the grace of God, we should have the kind of heart that puts God first. Because tithing is not a money thing. It's a heart thing. If God gave His first and His best for us, why wouldn't we want to have that heart in everything we do? We honor God by putting Him first. And so here, here's my challenge to you. Okay, Now, I, I'm at an advantage because, number one, I've been preaching tithing since I was three years old. Okay, I thought of my stuffed animals in my bedroom, and I would just preach the fire out of that message. you got to pay tithes. I didn't even know what it was, but I was preaching it by God. Number two, I've been tithing all my life. So that's an advantage for me. Now, I'm not going to say that I haven't <laughs> written a check or paid some bills with some fear and tripping like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> we really stand in on faith right now. But at the same time, if you've never tithed, you're also at a greater advantage because you have a chance to take a giant step of faith. And you get to see the before and after of what God will do when you step out in obedience to Him. Because I know for a fact God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100 I don't know if you've noticed this yet, but God's a whole lot smarter than we are. He can do more with 90 than you can do with 100 every time. So this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. Tithe for a year and watch what God does. Because tithing is the only thing, and I mean the only, only thing in the Bible where God directly said, tithe. Test me. God said, bring all the tithes in the storehouse and try me in this, say the Lord, and I will not open up for you the windows of heaven. God says, test me. Try me. Try me out. Bring the tithes into the storehouse and watch what I'll do. And when God talks about tithing, He never uses the term give. When you give something, you're taking something that belongs to you and you're giving it to somebody else, but God says bring it. Because when we bring our tithe to God, we're bringing back something that He gave us. Because it's all His. And we'll talk about this a little more Wednesday night, and we're going to talk about some budget, and we're going to have a good time. But you got to understand this before anything else. God is first. We bring the tithe in the storehouse. We're bringing back to Him a portion of what He's given us and provided for us. What's the storehouse? I'll tell you what I believe the storehouse is. The storehouse is the place where you eat. It's where you fed the Word of God, where you fellowship, where you worship. I believe that the storehouse is the local church. That's, my wife and I, we've always tithed to the local. We, we give offerings to other ministries, but we bring our tithe here. Now, as a ordained minister in the Assemblies of God, I'm required to tithe into the Assemblies of God, but we consider that an offering. We tithe here. To us, this is a storehouse because we don't order at Burger King and pay at McDonald's. <laughs> no, I'm saying. We bring it into the storehouse, the local church. This is my challenge. Tithe for a year and watch what God does. Try him and test him and see if he's not telling the truth. Now, let me give you this disclaimer before I leave. You have to do your part. I don't know any other way to put this, so I'll just say it directly. Don't be stupid about it. Don't sit there and light, let your lights get turned off and get evicted and your kids go hungry and you blame God. The Bible says if you don't take, take care of your own household, you're worse than an infidel and you've denied the faith. Okay? 
You've got to do your part. Develop a budget. Stop wasting money. Okay? God comes first. God comes before the Marlboro man. <laughs> Let somebody else lose the lottery this week. you got to use wisdom in how you manage your money. But if you do your part and you put God first, I promise you, you'll be amazed at how much God will change things in your life. When you put things in order, they work. Will you stand as we pray this morning? God, I thank you for your truth. And Lord, I pray for everybody right now who is struggling financially. Lord, I thank you for everybody right now who's felt the stress that I've felt at the grocery store, <laughs> at the gas pump, when the electric bill comes. Lord, I thank you, God, that the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. God, you own it all. And Lord, I thank you that we don't live according to the economy of this world, but we live according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. God, I thank you that you are willing and able and more than able to be more than enough, God, for every need that we have in this season. And Lord, I pray, God, that faith would grow in people's hearts today. God, even right now as we pray and as we seek you, God, that faith would arise in people's hearts. Lord, that we would stand up and take the step of faith to put you first. Lord, we see clearly in your word that you are first place. In your word, that it be honored first. God, may we put you first in our marriage. God, may we put you first with our children. God, may we put you first in our home, in the workplace, in our finances. God, may we honor you first because you're worthy of it. God, help us to put you first in our lives. God, give us the grace of God that is far greater than the law. Give us the grace of God through Jesus Christ to be bold in our living, bold in our obedience to you. And God, I thank you for helping us, God, in this difficult season as it would seem to learn how to trust you in tough times and in good times, to know that you are God and that your word is true, that you do not change and that you never fail. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for helping us to walk in obedience, to honor you, God, for opening up the blessings, the windows of heaven, God, to be poured out on those who would have the faith, God, to put you first, to honor you. I thank you, Lord, for an open heaven. Thank you, Jesus. As we continue to pray, We've been talking a little bit about generosity today. Let me tell you about generosity. God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only Son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. You may have come in here without hope. Listen, there is hope in Jesus. There is a way back. Hebrews 7.25 says this, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, and since He always lives to make intercession for them. What does that mean? Two things. Number one, Jesus knows your name. And He's interceding for you. He's praying for you. Because He knows you. He loves you. And He cares for you. And number two, He will go to any length to save you from sin. He is able to save to the uttermost. If you're here this morning, you haven't put your faith in Jesus, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you will, just pray this out loud with me together. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You gave your all for me. So I give you my life. Come into my heart. 
Be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'll live for you. I'll honor you. I'll follow you the rest of my life. Amen and amen. You pray that.